We welcome those of you who are joining us by way of video, and I wish you could be with us as we've just been worshiping the Lord in praise. He is an awesome God. He is a mighty God. He is a dearly loved Father, and He loves us beyond words, beyond description. We celebrate today a number of things. We celebrate not only that our God is good and that He loves us, but we are also remembering today as a country those who have laid down their lives for us, right? It's Memorial Day, and I want to acknowledge that. I recognize, maybe for you, certainly for me, that, that I don't always agree with things that our country does, and sometimes I'm frankly disappointed in the way we are as a people. But you know what? You and anybody else is probably at times disappointed in me. And so I try to remember that we are all a fallen people, we are all in need of grace, but those who lay down their lives defending us and protecting us and working for our freedom deserve our respect, deserve to be remembered. And so we do that. I'm not going to spend the whole morning on it, but I want to acknowledge that today. I want to acknowledge that because our Lord said that no greater love exists there is no greater love than those who lay down their life for their friends right and even though it's a little different in a lot of ways it's the same because there are those who have died protecting the freedoms in this country that i enjoy that i've never met they don't know me they don't know i exist and yet they gave themselves to uphold our constitution that gives us rights and privileges that so many around the world wish they had. So we thank those who have served in the military. And it really speaks to where we are this morning in, um, in our study, in our pursuing uh, a, a better understanding of what God has done for us. You know last weekend, Sunday, last Sunday in particular, we celebrated the great holiday, Christian holiday of Pentecost when when. God poured out His Spirit upon us. A significant time in the life of the church because it in fact is the founding of the church. It's the birthday of the church. And I spoke last week uh, on many of the benefits and I want to continue that because again, I'm trying to, to help us better understand what it is to celebrate the Christian year and the Christian holidays. We do a pretty good job of celebrating holidays in this country holidays that maybe give thanks for blessings of family and maybe holidays that celebrate our, our independence or like we're doing today, remember those who've given their lives. Well, they're important holidays in our faith as well. And people that know a lot more than I do, many, many, many years ago, put together a calendar to help us remember what God has done for us and to celebrate the different events that have taken place along the way. And so it begins, the Christian year begins four weeks before Christmas, four Sundays before Christmas. It's usually right around the end of November, first part of December. And that starts the Christian year. And so we, we anticipate, we prepare ourselves for receiving God in the person of His Son, Jesus, when He is born at Christmas. And we prepare ahead of time before Christmas. And then we celebrate Christmas for that time right after Christmas, not just on that day. And we begin to, to celebrate the announcement to the world that Jesus has come 
as our Savior. And then not only that, but then we begin to, to study parts of His life. And we who follow Him know that He came to die. He came to teach us the ways of God. He came to show us how to live as the human beings that God intended when He created us. And we know that we live in a fallen world because we sinned. We took the choice God gave us and went the wrong direction, if you will. We rebelled against God. And so to live now as the true human, a human being that is devoted to God our Creator, devoted to God our Lord and our Savior, means we're going to have struggles because we're going up against a world, a fallen world that doesn't acknowledge Him and that doesn't want to follow His ways. And so that means just like Jesus struggled, we're going to struggle. And that kind of defines the period we call Lent. Lent is 40 days prior to Easter. And so we, we spend that time focusing on the suffering that Jesus did for us and His faithfulness to God. And that culminates then with what we call Holy Week, the week that leads up to Easter when, when Jesus faced the, the authorities, the religious authorities, the very people who should have been championing His way and His word and His rule turned against Him. They pushed Him away because He interfered in their work and their business. And He suffered mightily. He died on the cross in faithfulness to God and honoring God, but as the true sacrifice that provided Forgiveness for us. Forgiveness for our sins. It's unbelievable. A perfect person would die for you and me. Maybe I should say for me and you. Right? Unbelievable that He would die for us. But He did. And to prove the point that God had a certain way for humans to live, to prove a point for how good He is and how good the life is He wants us to live, to prove the point of His faithful, obedient Son, God raised Jesus from the dead. We celebrate that on Easter. It's the highest and holiest day of the year, and we celebrate it now and always. Unbelievable. God vindicated Him and raised Him from the dead. And then... After Easter, we begin to talk about what does that mean for Christians? And we struggle with the disciples and trying to wrestle with the, the grasp, the idea that, that God has saved us. God has saved us and He's made a new way for us. And what does it mean that Jesus is alive? What does that mean? That He's not only alive, God not only raised Him from the dead, but then... We celebrate in the Ascension 40 days after Easter. His exaltation. God, in fact, not only raised Him from the dead, but He exalted Him to the right hand of God Himself and has given Him all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority. Not partial authority. Not all authority in some places. Not some authority over some people. All authority over everything that ever is and was and is to come. This Jesus is our Lord and Savior and that's who we celebrate when He is ascended into heaven and exalted. And then, just as He said, 
Just as he told his disciples, those he was with that he loved, and all of us who read about him, if I go, I will prepare a place for you. A place with the Father in heaven. And in preparing that place, you can be assured that I'll come back for you and bring you to be with me. We have an eternal future, a glorious future, a future of all good with the Creator who is good. That's a hallelujah, folks. All we have to do is look around us and be reminded that we do not live in such a place yet. Yeah? This is what we celebrate in Pentecost. And that's what we talked about last week. God poured out His Spirit. Jesus, in His new position of all authority, poured out to us. He gave us the very Spirit who lived in Him and enabled Him to do all that He did. That's hard to grasp, isn't it? Maybe not for you, but I can tell you it is for me. I told somebody not, recent, not too long ago, just recently, after years of intense study in the Bible when I was preparing to be a pastor, day and night, partly because it's that much study to do, partly because I just needed it. And I'm a little slower than some. I'm amazed. I'm truly amazed that God would give you and me His Spirit to live in us not just guide us, to not just correct us, to not just remind us of what Jesus taught, but to empower us to live out the life He's called us to live. <coughs> the very Spirit of God, the very power of God living in us. That's the Christian year, the first half of it. Right up to Pentecost. So we take the first half of the Christian year and we spend time Recounting and remembering and celebrating and honoring the career, if I can call it that, the vocation, the, the time on earth that Jesus came to do what He did for us. So then what do we do the rest of the year? Well, what do you do when somebody has done something wonderful for you? What do you do? You celebrate. That's right. You respond with thanks and you respond with celebration. And in this case, what better way to thank and celebrate God than to do what He has asked us to do? So we begin to live as His people. And that's what we spend the second six months of the year. The second half of the year celebrating and studying and remembering and challenging each other. Let's live it out. Let's show our thanks, right? You guys that are parents, you know what I'm talking about. Grandparents, you don't count. You love the grandkids no matter what happens. But your parents, what do you appreciate in terms of the way your kids thank you? Thanks, Mom. Appreciate it. No. Well, maybe. But you want to see it, don't you? Don't you appreciate it when they actually do something that you've taught them? When you see the change in them? That they've been asking and teaching? Oh yeah, now I'm getting some parents nodding. Come on, I know some of your parents. You appreciate their words, but what you really value is when they change 
when they follow what you've asked them to do. Not because you love the power, not because you want to squash them and make them be your slave, but because you've taught them. You've probably sacrificed a lot to teach them and to help them be who you're wanting them to be for their own benefit and good. Some of you got your kids in here with you right now. What does it feel like when they actually demonstrate their thanks? That's what we do now as Christians. We spend this half of the year responding to what He's taught us. Responding to what He's done for us. And studying how we can live out what He's called us to do. And you think, what a futile effort, right? We can't possibly do that. Well, let me jump back to the way we started this. Let me just ask you a real question this morning. Any of you actually served in the military? Just, just raise your hand. Have served or are serving? Any of you known somebody, you know, pretty well that served in the military? You have any idea what they go through in basic training? Pretty easy, right? Yeah, you get a few words. This is kind of how we'd like you to, you know, function. Ah, this is what we try to do. You know, we got a few things we're trying to do. We try to stick together a little bit. We'd like you to do this. You know, maybe you can think about it, right? That sounds a lot like basic training. Never. It's hard work, folks. Taking a bunch of people, a bunch of individuals who have their own agendas and their own ideas and their own ways of wanting to live and pulling all those together and transforming those into a collective body who is sold out to one common purpose takes a tremendous amount of work. It is not easy. But if you're going to be a successful soldier or sailor or airman or marine or a member of the Coast Guard or the National Guard, if you're actually going to go to the front line and you're going to defend a country behind you, if you're going to defend the guy or woman next to you, you better have worked out ahead of time your disagreements about how, thing, how the way you think, how the ways you think we ought to do it. You better be together you better be determined and sold out because when the bullets start flying, let me tell you, that's not the time to say, hey, you know what, I don't really, I don't really agree with the way you're doing this. Yeah, I think I'm just going to sit this one out because I, 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 we don't have this resolved yet until I, I get my way of doing things. Eh, I don't think so. You know where we'd be as a people if that Now you may be thinking, where are you heading with this, Pastor? This is all redundant. We know this already. Because I want to focus you for a minute, just for a minute, on the profound commitment that must be made for a member of our military to work together as a team of people to carry out one common purpose. And to tell you we owe them our thanks. But to tell you something that's on my heart a lot greater than that this morning. 
I so wish, I so deeply wish that that same thing could be said about us as the family of God. I so wish the people that are your neighbors and mine, the people that live in our country, could look at us. Maybe that's too big for you. Maybe we don't have any idea what people in Idaho are doing. How about the people in your county or, or maybe in Mecklenburg County or wherever you happen to live? What if those people, knowing us, just slightly, would look upon us and see us as that unified? What if they would see us that committed to our reason for being? What if our unity and our common commitment to our purpose in being we so steadfastly held to that it didn't take any explanation for the people around us to know they benefited because of that commitment. Because if you know anything at all about the purpose and the forming of the church, the carrying out of the mission Jesus started, it's for the sake of our neighbors. It's for the sake of the world around us. It's that we would be so committed and thankful to the God who laid down His life for us in His Son that we too would be that committed to serving in His way, to following His commands, to, how do we wrap up all the commands? To love one another as He's loved us. What if we really did that? What if we came together in such an incredible union, such an incredible commitment that we brought about that purpose, that we actually could begin to see the results of it, that other people that don't know our Lord, that don't know our Father, that don't know their Creator would run to us and ask us the question, how can I know Him? He must be amazing. I know you. No disrespect intended. But I know you. I know who you used to be. I know the way you lived. You weren't any different than me. You looked out for yourself. What changed? And how in the world do you get along with all those other people that don't look like you? Those are the people from different parts of the country or different parts of the world. How do you guys come together in that kind of unity and, and do it for us? How do you do that? Seriously. Because I want some of that. We're celebrating Memorial Day but we're also celebrating the pouring out of God's Spirit to help us do just what I said. That's what we're celebrating today. Why today? What's special about today? Not just Memorial Day. What's special about today for Christians? Trick question. <laughs> 
Nothing. It's the same as yesterday and the same as tomorrow will be. It's just another day. Just another day that your life and mine exists because of His love for us. And in my book, that's reason for celebration. In my book, that's reason to pay attention to the one who gave me today. In my book, well, frankly, who cares what's in my book? In this book, that's what it tells me. It tells me that I have today because of the one who gave his life for me that I might follow what he's taught that others might be blessed. This is why we do what we do, folks. And what would it be like if we were so faithful and committed and unified in our purpose that a people would actually celebrate and remember every year the fact that we gave our lives for them. What if people that never met us and those that never met Jesus actually came together and celebrated just one day a year the remembrance of us because of what the way we use our life for them. Isn't that what he's called us to do? I'm looking at the clock and realizing, wow, I've preached almost a whole sermon and not even opened the Bible today. Well, not physically. I hope you've heard his word. I've heard you've heard his call. I hope you've heard his invitation. I hope you've heard his great love for you and his extension of a hand to say, come on and join me. It's the greatest cause you could ever be a part of. And I've given you my very spirit to help you be successful.